0: You guys know why I'm playing this song? Hold on, while we'll I adjust this microphone. First thing. Oh yeah, professional fucking podcast. It is Christmas time, holiday time for those of you who are jealous that you're not celebrating Christmas. But uh, I just wanted to play one of my favorite songs. Here we go again. That song is fucking epic. I think it's pretty close to my favorite Christmas song ever. I think this one's pretty awesome. Uh, Hello, welcome to the... I guess it's a Christmas special of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? What's happening? What's new? Today uh, is a great episode. I have a guest in the fucking studio in the house today, which I'm excited about. Um, We're also going to uh, address... As promised, on my Instagram account, we are going to talk and address your questions. Consider it a Christmas gift. (laughs) Uh, Fucking Santa's showing up and he's going to give you a bunch of bullshit for Christmas this year. So we'll go through all of your filmmaker questions and um, also talk about our, our director's tracksuit winners, which I've been dealing with this morning. So very excited, but first things first. I want to uh, introduce today's guest. She's very talented. She's an actress, uh, a talented director as well. Uh, Christine Salozzi is in the studio. Hey, Mike. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm great. Let me kill some of this Christmas music. Salazzi.
1: Salozzi. See, I
0: fucked it up. We were just it's okay. talking about. <laughs> we were just talking about this off air and this is the worst part of the show. Full transparency <laughs> to you guys listening, I'm a bit of a an idiot most of the time. No. And so the hardest part of the show for me, and your name's not that bad. But the hardest <laughs> part of the show for me is last names. It always is. And then I get this fucking block. And I'm sure you know what it is when you as an actor.
1: For that, sure. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Totally.
0: So I'm just like, "Yeah, what's your name?" And you tell me your name. Make sure I pronounce it. I've known you for fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just I'd never use people's last names. Yeah. And it isn't until you're on fucking record and you're in front of a microphone that totally. you're to fuck it all. Anyway, that's me just talking my way out of it. <laughs> How are you? What's new?
1: Life, you know, uh not much though. Like, not much. I mean a lot, but also like, you know, things are in a weird place, so they're moving slowly. Um so then it feels like not much.
0: Well, that welcome to our fucking lives, yeah. right? Yeah. You, um, um without getting too personal, are you talking business stuff, or are you talking personal stuff? Business. Okay, business stuff. Yeah. Moving slowly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let yeah.
1: me just have an existential crisis <laughs> on
2: your podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hmm
0: Yes, I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> um, but I mean, as far as, you know, the rest of the world is concerned, you're doing really well.
1: Thank you. I y- appreciate that.
0: Your films have been killing it. Your uh your recent film, your your uh how do i describe it your horror piece that is what do i it's like a little shop of horrors yeah craziness tell the audience about your your new film
1: um so it's called my friends the plants and i wrote directed and starred in it and it's a mockumentary horror comedy about a woman who's a familiar to vampire plants and the difficulties that she faces
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: so uh I just assume that someone at some point asked you to take care of their plants and you were trapped in the scenario. Is this what's going on? Where does it come Uh, from?
1: I wish like I am such a plant person. And so I have a lot of my own plants and we used a lot of my plants for the film. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was also an excuse to go buy more. (laughs) And Alex was like, come on.
0: (laughs) I thought the piece was really great. I thought your performance was really fun. And, um, I enjoyed it, and I, I, I'm I'm very happy for you because it has been uh, cleaning up at festivals. You've yeah. been doing really well.
1: Yeah, we've been really like pleasantly surprised about how well it's doing.
0: Best directing and best in stuff, best Thank acting you. and stuff. Like it's been killing it, man.
1: Thanks. Yeah.
0: Um. So is this is this your second short? How many shorts have you directed? This is my first. This is your first. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> what a way out, man. I
1: know. I know. It's been uh. It's been really exciting. Fuck yeah. So,
0: how's the festival experience been?
1: Um, it's been different, you know, um
0: cuz it's all online.
1: It's all online. I had attended a couple in person. Um, so I went to like horror Origins out in Arizona and that was a story in and of itself. We drove 8 <laughs> hours and then my check hybrid system came on on my car. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were supposed to stay there for a couple of days and we were like we should probably go back and I should figure out my car. <laughs> oh, my so, God. But we were there for a day, and, like, the entire team was incredible. They were really great people.
0: And this is in Arizona. I've never I've never been to Arizona. Oh,
1: Arizona's amazing. Is yeah. it? You should totally go. There's so much to see there.
0: And what, what was it, eight hours from here? Yeah. Not bad. So
1: it was in Tucson.
0: Not bad. And how big was the festival? <laughs> mm-hmm. It was in
1: a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And because of COVID, like, it was their first year. And they their programming was amazing. But... I think there were maybe, you know, at most 10 people in the audience.
2: Mm,
0: that sucks. Did you get a good reaction from the folks? Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. How does it feel to watch your stuff in front of an audience?
1: So weird. <laughs> so weird. There, There's like, <laughs> as you know, there's some lowbrow comedy in there. And so like, I always know if it's going to hit or not, because there's one scene where it just catches you off guard and you're like, whoa. And based on the reaction to that, I'll be like, oh, okay, this is going to go well. Or, oh no, (laughs) it's going to be longer than 10 minutes.
0: (laughs) Did you, I know you sent it to me to watch over the internet. Did you get to watch it with folks while you were cutting it? Or did you have to cut it all by yourself and then just send it to people on the internet?
1: Um, So Jay Everly cut it for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I mean, he and I must've watched it a good, Mm -hmm. you know, 200 times and we were being really perfectionists about it and we wanted to make sure that we were getting the laps per minute and, you know, hitting every beat. Mm-hmm. And so that was hard. And so, you know, I, would share it with Alex. I, I wanted to only share it with people who were super close, whose opinions I trusted. Mm-hmm. Cause once you start getting too many opinions, then you're like, Oh my God, I have so many, you know, pulling back and forths of what I should do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that. I knew what we wanted from it. And I was like, okay, we need to hone in on that and not worry about if we're pleasing everybody because it has a specific audience. Yeah, of
0: course. When you're looking for, when you're mining for opinions, what are you looking for? You, I, I don't know how to say this other than like, <laughs> are you looking to feel better about yourself? Or are you looking for like specific feedback on different things? Whether, was there stuff in this short that you were unsure of and you needed folks to sort of justify
2: it for you?
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely not feeling better. It's, it's, you know, there were so many things in this film where going into it as a first-time director, I was like, okay, this is what I want. And then someone would be like, well, you know, on my team would be like, well, let's try this. And I was very open, you know, I didn't want to go in and be tied to anything. I just wanted it to bloom into whatever it was going to be Mm -hmm. and have it be the best version of itself. And so even if I was like, oh, that doesn't sound great, I would always be like, let's try it. Let's see what that looks like. And so if... You know, this is the part where you have to remove yourself and remove your ego and be like, is this going to better serve the audience than what I originally had in mind?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 100 percent, 100 percent.
1: Yeah, it completely changed the entire trajectory of the film in the best way.
0: Yeah, I guess I ask these questions because, you know, being a first time director, I remember I remember how intense it was the first time I started to put together footage that I had directed and I had shot. And how stressful it was because you're looking at a fucking bin of clips and you're like, that's only three <laughs> clips in here. You know, did you feel the same way?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, we we had shot a lot more. Um, and so we had an extra four minutes that we shaved off. Oh, good. Yeah. And so it was more like going through and being like, okay, we have all this extra stuff. What do we need and what don't we need? That's good. Um, but I was really grateful that I, I was working with people who knew a lot more than I did and and were willing to mentor me essentially through the entire thing.
0: Well, it's also fascinating too. Have you been able to, besides going to Arizona, have you been able to see it with any other folks in an audience, like a live audience?
1: Yeah. So I went to Sherman Oaks film festival Mm -hmm. and there was a really large, like, um, There was one film, it's called The Cat, and it's really incredible. It's an animated film, Mm -hmm. Um, but it it drew in a large, like, Middle Eastern crowd. Oh. (laughs) And so, you know, they were all, like, much older because the director was, you know, um, an an older woman. Yeah. And so I was sitting there, and I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be so awkward. Because, you know, they're they're older. I'm like, oh, I don't know (laughs) if my comedy's going to land. Dude, like, they loved it. Oh, really? That's I got so many compliments at the end, and, like, I was so surprised (laughs) and so was Jeff the guy who like ran the entire festival he was like I didn't know how that was gonna go and I was like yeah me neither man (laughs) (laughs)
0: well that's like the crazy thing about uh festival programming and shorts programming is that you're combined with a bunch of other films and there have been multiple occasions where I've screened with films in the lineup and I'm like how the fuck do I play with this lineup like Mm -hmm. and there have been times where like when we had 12km basically took over a short screening back in boston my hometown so like that fucking room was filled yeah with everybody amazing. that was there and then they <laughs> i felt bad for all the other shorts folks because mm-hmm. i'm like this is a brutal audience <laughs>
3: it's yeah here, it's,
0: <laughs> so it's it's a fascinating thing when you get lined up in a shorts program because you really have no control over the curation of everything
1: else it's so true
0: and then at that point like where were you were you in the middle were you at the end do you know where you
1: um, so for Sherman Oaks, we were second to last. Okay, yeah, yeah. Or maybe we were in the middle. I think we were in the middle.
0: Well, the middle's not bad. The middle's if,
1: not bad. If you're
0: at the end, especially if the audience has got to go through some like shorts that aren't that good, and there's that period of time where you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. And then you get drawn out, and then you get to the end. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've screened at the end for a lot of stuff because m- my shorts end up being longer, so they pack it at the back end. and yeah. And Jesus
2: Christ
1: that, that, de- that <laughs> happened to us at one festival where yeah. it was like, everything was like really drawn out. And the stories before were really slow. Uh, yeah, And yeah. then we got to my film and like the audience was like, they perked up and I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is making my film look really good right now. <laughs>
0: it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. So you've seen it with, with, uh, with a lot of folks. So, um, did you, when you were screening it with an audience of people, did you start to feel um, the truth? I guess there's, there's only one way to put it. Like I, I feel like when I'm with an audience,
2: you,
0: you're watching it and you're not even looking at what the... F- there's like this uncanny magical thing that happens where suddenly because you're sitting with other people the truth comes out. Yeah. And you're just like, this is the thing I've been avoiding. This is the reason why this sucks. And I've been pushing this and this isn't right. Did you feel that stuff?
1: Honestly, like, I think I enjoyed making it so much and tailored it to my own humor so much that every time I watch it, I'm sometimes the only person in the audience who's laughing. <laughs> and It's so bad. <laughs> That's good. But yeah, there are times where I'm like, Oh my God, this is like, this, like it feels like an eternity as opposed to 10 minutes, where I'm like, this is so (laughs) long, just end.
0: (laughs) It's good. This is what's so great about it, um, because I'm sure you have the directing bug at this point after
1: Mm
3: -hmm. doing that.
0: So that uh, experience for me really changed the way that I now make movies and the way I now edit movies and go through the process of getting advice on my edits mm-hmm. so like that truth stuff i've tried to bottle like that moment where you're in the audience because i think the first movie happened and i was just like fucking i did this movie years ago it, it's not online anywhere i did this movie about a woman that dies in a bathtub and goes to the morgue and the guy at the morgue is super creepy Ew. And she wakes up. It turns out she had <gasps> hypothermia, and so she wakes up through this process. It was this really creepy, weird oh my God. thing that I did. And that got into Trauma Dance, which was at Sundance. And, and so for the first big movie, I got to go out there and do that stuff, but I also had that experience.
1: Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine.
0: And so you're just like, fuck. And you're sitting there going, like, God damn it. And so after doing that, I wanted to sort of bottle that situation and so now when I do edits and stuff, I curate who comes in at different portions of the edit, mm-hmm. understanding the type of people that they are and also understanding like, uh, I know that this person is more obsessed with story, I know this person's more obsessed with visuals, I know this story is more this person's more obsessed with this. And sometimes I just pepper in people that are like, they're gonna like it no matter what. So yeah. I need a little bit
2: of an ego
1: <laughs> as For well. For Sure. You know? Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. So I learned
0: that after doing the screening and screening for an audience. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. really smart. But you have been, like I said, you've been fucking killing it. Yeah. It's really great, man. It's,
1: it's been so weird. I was not expecting that. Like I submitted to a bunch of festivals and I was like, oh, I'll probably get into like one or two. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it was like, oh wow, they, this is being picked up in a lot of ways. And uh, it's been crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it was my, my, like I can't even read my, you can see my face. Like, <laughs>
0: well, it's good. So, you got into this business what acting first was that your way in?
1: Yeah, I started acting in 2014.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. And what? Uh, and you're from back at you're from Massachusetts, right? You're back home. Yeah. 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 Of course, I've got another East Coaster. On <laughs> of me. course. I don't hear you guys rolling your fucking eyes. Of course, <laughs> East Coasters just hang out. That's yeah, we, we do.
1: really do. We find each other. I
0: know. Weirdly. Um, <laughs> so, uh, why would you get into acting? What got you into that?
1: Uh, I've always wanted to be an actor, and. Uh, I went to school for fashion design, which I, I, you know, you're 18. I look back and I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I started working for the TJX companies, Inc. uh, Okay. Immediately after school. And, you know, I mean, it's super, it's one of the only places that you can work. I feel like in fashion design and like really get the experience. I mean, there are other places, but like, I feel like TJX is the big one.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's, that's like the TJX, like Marshall's, all those, they have that fucking compound yeah. over in Natick or Framingham. Right?
1: I worked there. Yeah. yeah
0: I, did, I did a couple of videos for them back in the day. and Dude. That compound is weird. It's
1: wild. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. It's huge. Yeah. And it's so weird. Cause it was huge. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but like the amount of space that we had to work in was not, so it was interesting.
0: Oh, why are you not allowed to say that?
1: I don't know. I'm like, can I say that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can I expose their secrets? <laughs> yeah.
0: They're not like watchtower. This isn't like a TGX watchtower episode. It's
1: gonna come back and get me. They're just
0: like canceled.
1: <laughs> she exposed <laughs> our secret.
0: No, they the TGX, it's like Marshall's Home Goods, they all own the same spots. And if I remember correctly, it's like this big compound with like three different buildings or yeah. something. Yeah wacky shit like around the hall we used to do shit for them prior to the holiday season and they were just sort of like exposing the lines of shit that they were putting out that year yeah and so i did like two or three videos and i was like god damn
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it's a lot
0: it's wild and it's like this warehouse full mostly women that work there warehouse mm-hmm. full of ladies that are just fucking running around and like
1: oh my god but they're powerhouses yeah, like it's nuts. every woman i worked with was like a powerhouse
0: it's nuts it's nuts. It was pretty wild. I didn't know you did that. That's cool.
1: Yeah. So I like started designing children's clothing, <laughs> dude. And then like, that did not last very long because for some reason I couldn't wrap my head around it. And every like sketch that I did had boobs. And I was like, Oh, right. I can't do that. I was so it's like, like a toddler with <laughs> <kids>. <laughs> it was so weird. It was so weird. I don't know why my brain couldn't get out of that space. Probably from like just designing for women for for school for four years Uh and my brain uh couldn't let go of it and I was like okay maybe I'm not that good at this and I had prior accounting experience and so I was like I guess I'll switch over to product development at this point and just develop other people's designs because it's not working
0: your obsession (laughs) with drawing with just your obsession of drawing with boobs I
1: can't, I get I can't get beyond it my stick figures have boobs you know
0: (laughs) that's hysterical so all right so then you were doing fashion stuff and then how did you transition into acting
1: I got laid off because they had budget cuts and my job was cut, dude. And I remember that day, like I went to the bathroom, cried a little bit. And then I came out and I was like packing my, I had a box, like a typical film, like packed up my box. I brought it down to my car. I just, hold on, hold on.
0: I just imagined that they're like, cut the boobs lady. Yeah. And then you've got this box full of like boob cups.
1: Oh like my God. Doing so many boob things. Yeah. A giant okay. boob pillow. I was like, oh. Uh-huh.
0: All so right.
1: I bring it down to my car and I remember I put it in my car and I'm like, driving out of the parking lot and I call my dad and I'm crying I'm like I got laid off because it was like my first time getting laid off it was scary mm-hmm. and I see this thing flapping on my windshield mm-hmm. and and I also got a fucking parking ticket oh, and god. I was like you have to be kidding me
0: <laughs> yeah getting shit on
1: oh my god but they called me back after and they were like you know we've got a couple of jobs we'd love to bring you back and at that point I was like I don't know that I've ever wanted to actually do fashion design yeah. and I needed to take a step back. And, uh,
0: how old were you at this point?
2: 24, 25. Got it.
1: Okay. And, uh, so then I didn't have a job and I was like (laughs) trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I did like the whole, like, Life insurance thing, oh wow, dude! And I did that for like a month, and then they had me like door knocking at 11 p.m. in New Bedford, and I was like, <laughs> This is dangerous, I can't do this anymore. I need a life insurance policy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I was going for a hike one day with one of my good friends that I grew up with, and uh, he was like, Well, you've always wanted to be an actor, why don't you just get some headshots? And I was like, All right. Mm -hmm. So, like, I had this other friend, and I had him take some headshots, and then I just kind of got the acting bug and started going after it and studying and kind of built from there.
0: you dealing with, like, Boston Casting and all those folks? No. No.
1: No. I was super unconventional about it because, like, when when it comes to my acting career, I'm very precious about it. And I've tried really hard to go, like, pave my own path and not just do what you're supposed to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, cause I want a career that's going to last. And so, you know, the reason why I got into directing was because I was like, I'm not acting in the things that I want to be acting in Smart. and, you know, so I need to start creating them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I started doing that. And ever since I've been like, okay, I can make my own stuff and create these characters for myself mm-hmm. and I don't have to go the traditional route.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: for those of you listening that's that point of the episode where you get some good advice because that's good advice i just <clears throat> i was just listening to um Halle berry on um mark maron's podcast and she just directed a new movie for netflix and i can't remember what it's called it's a fighting movie but it was kind of the same deal where she was like i need to be in this thing and so she directed it next thing you know it's been fucking killing they just signed yeah. up for like, a three picture deal or something
1: that's amazing yeah so. yeah Yeah,
0: it's, anybody that seems to be, this is the thing that I've been noticing in this business, and when I say this business, when I I moved out here, I had to start to play this game that is this business, which is ultimately a very long con, very slow realization, (laughs) that this business is kind of schlocky anyways, and they only give a fuck about anything that you're doing if you are doing it, and if you're putting it out there, uh, you have to be hyping it. Um, so true. And so it's all about creating the content that you want to be known for and, uh, making the stuff at the scale and at the level that you want to continue making things because you're going to get boxed into whatever it is. that yeah. you do. Well,
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like when you're an actor, you're somebody who has the potential to make money for other people. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take control over that, you know, like you'll make that money for other people. And then as soon as they find somebody else to make money from, like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say you're forgotten, but in a sense you can be if you're not still creating those other things that, you know, are going to continue your career and push it forward.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, especially as a as an actress, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, hopefully that's changing, but there has been a lifespan for actresses and an age span for actresses.
1: Which is crazy to me because yeah. I'm like, you know, you're telling stories about people of all ages, and I, I mean, I feel like when I, like, my biggest problem with ageism is, The people who have the most interesting stories that I've met in life are so much older. (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, why are we sharing their stories? You know, like.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, but as a culture, we're obsessed with youth. Mm -hmm. I've gotten on tangents on this before, but we're obsessed with youth. And I I honestly think it's because youth is easier to manipulate as far as buying and selling. Totally. concerned um there's
1: a mass target market
0: 100 percent. you knowing designing you know titty <laughs> titty outfits for babies
1: <laughs> that's not the route you go for it yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um but yeah no i mean it, like movie business is a business and. uh when I was younger, I'd always hear like the movie business, and I, in my head, I'd go, oh, "That's like being on set, and that's directing." No, 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 no. No. The business word is in caps and bolded. Yeah, and basically what it is.
1: It is, and you have to have a sense of business in order to like, yeah, really have a you know a long lasting career.
0: Yeah, it's smart. It's smart that you did that stuff. You Thanks. Know? I mean, you've worked and done some really great other projects. Um, what was the name of Kate's film? The plumber. The plumber. That's right. That's right. That one looks really cool. I I never, did I end up seeing the whole thing? I think I saw pieces of it. She originally, they were originally talking to me about potentially shooting that. Okay. Which, you know, I'm not really, I haven't been shooting in years. So I was like, nah, I can find someone that will kill it. And whoever shot it looked really great. It
1: was Kate. Oh, was it Kate yeah, that shot it? Yeah, and she's oh, won, you know, cinematography. I know, Kate, cinematography. She's
0: gonna be like, Mike, what the fuck?
1: I know, sorry, sorry, Kate, I didn't mean to mention that you have shot it. <laughs> no, she's going to be like, Mike, how come you don't know the shit I sent you to the movie? <laughs> yeah, she's won some, like, best cinematographer yeah. awards oh. and everything, too, and, like... You were great in
0: that. Thank you. How long did... You, what was the process for the accent for you in that?
1: Um, that was probably one of the more intense um, preparations I've had to do, mm-hmm. and so... You know, my I have maybe five lines, but they're really important lines throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time. I watched a lot of um like videos on YouTube on how to perfect a Polish accent. And then Kate and I would sit down and we'd go back and forth on it. And I meant I mean we spent hours mm-hmm. making sure that those five lines were as good as they could be. Yeah. And uh and then Hunter and I would spend hours on the phone talking to each other because he had to have a German accent. And so we wanted to make sure that on the day we weren't like borrowing each other's accents and then they're coming out all wonky and that like, you know, he was being able to maintain his German accent while I could maintain the Polish one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was, it was like a grueling experience in the best way. Like, um, I really enjoyed being able to build that kind of character. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool.
0: So, um. With the success of the movie, and now you have the directing bug, which is nice, um, what's your plans? Like, do you, are you pushing to do more shorts? Are you pushing to do something larger? What's up next?
1: Um, since I only have one short under my belt, I feel like it'll be difficult to get funding for a feature if mm-hmm. I, like, went after it right now. Well, believe me, I've got a bunch of shorts under my belt. Yeah. It's still fucking yeah. difficult. To get. totally. Exactly. So I'm like, all right, I'll, yeah. Yeah. I've got two shorts coming up that I'm super excited about that I'm... Mm-hmm. looking to direct next year oh yeah yeah and i've I've tried to keep them pretty contained so that they're easy to shoot and like you know they'll i think one of them's gonna be one day and it's like a six minute short mm-hmm. and then the other one's gonna be two days of shooting mm-hmm. and that one's probably like an eight minute short
2: mm-hmm.
0: you bring the plants back or
1: nah they're retired <laughs> they were like we're done <laughs> uh-huh.
0: <laughs> 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 that's cool man that's cool um yeah, like it's smart to, my only advice that I would give you on shorts, do them to learn technique yeah. and to be comfortable with yourself. But if I could go back in time and take 12KM and literally just add another half hour to it, mm-hmm. it would have changed the entire process for me as far as getting a movie uh, funded. Yeah. Because <clears throat> you hit this point with producers where they just go, cool. So all your stuff looks great. This is really cool. But have you done a feature and you're just like,
2: yeah, yeah. chicken,
0: chicken of the egg, motherfucker. Like yeah. you see how big this thing is and you see the level of the scale of stuff and how much that costs that that's why I'm here. That's why I'm talking to you.
1: Yeah. But, it is so interesting yeah. that people hone in on like the necessity to have a feature in order to make a feature. It's crazy.
0: It's nuts to me. And and I get the idea. Look, I know that they're not thinking this way, but I'm assuming, let's, let's assume the best that they're they're sitting there going, well, you just, we want to make sure that you know how to time out pace out a feature film. We want to make sure that you know how to like put that together and run your themes and do all that stuff. In my head, that's what I tell myself. And those are the things where I'm like, yeah, that's where I'm going to concentrate and make it really great.
1: Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's, they're
0: just, everybody's looking for a hundred fucking reasons to say no.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: It's never like, hey, I want to make a movie. I want to make a movie with you. So let's find a hundred reasons to say yes. Yeah. And I'm not saying that those folks don't exist. If you find them, they're like fucking latch on to right. them. And those right. are the ones. But most people are just like,
1: uh. Yeah. But like at the same time, we see that so much and it's like a lot of filmmaking in a lot of ways has become stale because of it. You know, Mm -hmm. like you've got the films that are the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. And then people complain that nobody's going to the theater and it's like, well, why are they going to go to the theater to see the same film again?
0: Right. Right. Spectacle. Well, (laughs) this Spider-Man has all the spy. Oh,
1: (laughs) I did see it last night. Did you see it? I did.
0: I haven't seen it yet, but I don't give a shit about spoilers. And at the same token, (laughs) I was just talking about that Instagram and, Don't tell me anything, so that way they don't yell at me. Yeah, but I haven't seen the movie, so this isn't considered a spoiler. But I would assume that you're going to see some other Spider-Man in this fucking movie. I would assume maybe something like that's going to happen. Don't even. I'm not going to say anything, anything. but I would assume that that's going to happen. Who knows? What difference does it make? (laughs) (laughs) Um. So yeah. Okay. Cool. So I'm sure at some point you want to get into features and.
1: I have one that I've been writing Ooh. and I've been writing it in a way that it would be able, you know, it's something that I could make. Um, so during Halloween, Alex and I watched Creep One, well, Creep and Creep Two. Oh yeah, okay. And I was like, oh, okay, this is like a super easy way to make a feature film mm-hmm. um, for a very low budget. And so, I mean, tying in like the kind of comedy that I like to have, I could easily make something like that and it would still mm-hmm. serve the brand that I'm building.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so you're going to be playing in horror for a while? Is that your thing? Or?
1: Horror comedy slash yeah. comedy. Yeah. Like I really love, I love the comedy aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like it makes such a difference on film. Like I love laughing in between takes and mm-hmm. laughing and, you know, the grueling editing process, at least you're laughing through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I prefer to stay there, but.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, <clears throat> it's funny. Um how much comedy suits or how much comedy is a necessity for a lot of horror pieces, because it's all about breaking that tension mm-hmm. and horror for me is all about suspense building and tension building. And so you're constantly trying to keep that rise, but at the same token, you have to, if you can break that rise with silence or with, with a comedy, mm-hmm. then it becomes even more intense and brutal. And if you're using that comedy to further ground your characters and make the characters twice as relatable. Yeah. Then death scenes or anything else that happens after that hits twice as fucking
2: hard.
1: It totally does. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, there's like you know, there's a, there's a charisma to comedy and mm-hmm. giving your characters comedic moments that make them feel human.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's really cool. Have you seen Werewolves Within yet? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great one.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it totally is.
0: He killed that movie. Yeah. And that one, when I watched that. There was so much comedy. There's so many jokes in that that happen mm-hmm. in between cuts, and, and most of the time when you're pacing out comedy, you want to also take into consideration laughter and how much time people are laughing. Yeah, and he didn't. He was just like,
3: full <laughs> yeah. So
0: I'd be laughing through stuff, and I go, I think I missed like five fucking jokes. Please listen, rewind it. And, yeah. Um that that movie's great if you guys haven't seen it. And I did that whole episode with uh, the director. So, um. Yeah, well, fuck yeah. I think that's great. Thanks. I'm happy for you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, we've known each other for a little while. You worked on some of our stuff. You worked on uh, some of my stuff. I forget how we initially met.
1: I we met because Gina came out and she had a photo shoot oh, and she needed some help. Right. And I was like, oh, hey, I have the day off. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was a while ago. That was a long time ago. Holy shit. Was that 2017?
0: Yeah. Time fucking travel, man.
1: I know it's crazy.
0: Time fucking travel. <laughs> um, let's see where are we at. Oh, we're doing good. Well, uh, before we take a break, and I'm oh, I'm not going to do ad reads today. I'm just going to play some music today because I want to play music that I want to play. So I'm not going to do ad reads for it. Um, so uh, we talked about that. We talked about acting. We talked about directing. So you going home for Christmas? I am. You excited?
1: Sort of. <laughs> um, so I had um, a trip planned for the 13th to the 28th. And usually I'll go home and spend two to three weeks with my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I started a new job. and uh,
0: <laughs> In the business job? No. <laughs> did something that you want to say on air? <laughs>
1: Oh, well I work in a skate shop. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and it, it just has allowed me a lot more time to dedicate to acting and directing. That's great. Um, cause when I was working in production, like, you know, I was working 80 hour weeks, I'd come home spent and I'd be like, all right, I have no creativity to give mm-hmm. uh, to my projects right now. And then working that much time, you can't audition, you know, you can't act. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I need something that's going to allow me to have that flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so I started working in a skate shop in Pacific Palisades Nice. Yeah.
0: That's cool, man. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I was just talking to somebody the other day and they were saying that one of their employees used to be an editor and he was just like, fuck this. And I think that's a lot of uh, the result of COVID is that people uh, having that year off were just like, is this worth
1: it? Totally. Yeah. Totally. And like the amount of time that you had at home, like Mm -hmm. it was nice. You could spend time with people Well, to a degree. You could spend time with the people you live with. Sure. Um, but, you know, and it, there's like, you realize that there's a lack of life work balance.
2: Yeah.
0: No, completely. And I think that uh, that was one of the weird side effects. And you're seeing this. And I think a lot of that leads into the strike and everything that was happening with IATSE. And folks yeah. are just like, our time is worth money. And, you know, please you know, give us more turnaround and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, because the production world, because you've been working in production for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty brutal
1: it's a lot. Um, it can be a lot, you know, you're, um, with people 24 seven essentially, because I mean, you know, I was working in the production office and mm-hmm. when I would leave set for the night, like, it's not like I would just go home and that would be it. Like I'd go home and it'd be like, Oh, we need all of this stuff for tomorrow. And so it was a continuous thing where it was, you know, you're on the clock regularly Yeah, and you get your call time at like, you know, if we wrapped at 10 PM, you get your call time at like, midnight because they're still working on it and then you have to be up at 5 a.m.
0: Yeah 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 no that's the reality of it it really is and it's all it's been that it's always been that way yeah I don't know how much the strike is going to change a lot of that either I think a lot of it still is that way
1: yeah totally I think the only thing that changed was like now there's a 10-hour turnaround which I mean you know is that going to actually be something that people abide by or Mm -mm, you know I, I don't know
0: and it weirdly not weirdly but the reality of it is that at the end of the day it just comes down to cash and it 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 filters Mm -hmm. from the top all the way down and so you know um i was just talking to the cinematographer for ghostbusters which i think i'm going to put both these episodes out this week Mm -hmm. um and we were talking about tv and, and uh you know shooting for tv and the production schedules for tv and um the quality level is expected to be at feature film level but mm-hmm. then you only have you know this amount of time to do it and a quarter of that time and a quarter of that money
1: yeah like, fuck man yeah
0: and it really falls back down on production and on the crew it really
1: does it really does yeah especially the crew
0: yeah because you know. you're just like oh well we'll just pay your overtime instead of Instead of like putting on three extra days, what which it fucking needs. which We'll just fucking run you guys ragged.
1: Which I don't understand because I mean, at the same time, like when people are tired, stuff happens and things break. Mm-hmm. And then you end up spending so much more money than you would have if you had just tacked on those extra three days.
0: But it's the, I find that it's a, and this may be a controversial statement, but I find that it's an <laughs> emotional disconnect. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of folks that are in the, Uh, quote-unquote above-the-line territory and the ones that are sort of bullshitting their way to get television shows. Like, we all have to. You have to, like, get in there and smooze and fucking believe your own fucking hype and then suddenly you become like, ah, well, I know what the fuck's going on and all that shit. And, yeah, no, no, no. What is important is the fact that we were able to sell this precious little egg, surprisingly, to these folks. And that's the most important thing in the world. So just get it fucking done. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like to look behind them to see their wake. Yeah. They don't, they just don't. It's true. Um, and you see the results of that, especially on like shitty run productions.
1: Yeah. You know, well, that's a thing. Yeah. It's such a systemic thing too. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was working on production, you know, like I started off as a PA and sometimes like the work would be done at like hour 10, you yeah. know, in, in pre-production and it would be like, well, you need to stay for these next two hours just in case I need anything. And I'm like sitting there and I'm like, all right, this kind of is silly, but I'll do what I have to do. And then when I became a production coordinator, I was like, there's no way I'm treating people the way that I was treated. <laughs> and so at hour 10, if I was like, there's nothing to do, I'd be like, all right, you can go home. If I need anything from you, I might shoot you a text. But you know, I'm also sitting there like if it's something I can do myself and do easily, like yeah. I'm not going to be like, oh, you need to come back and do this or you need to do this from your home. I'll just do it myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, because you're coming up and you understand and you've been through yeah. that system. And that's, in my humble opinion, I think that's where some of the best filmmakers come from or people that have played that game and they are necessarily inherited that position and yeah. coming into that position, um, you know, fucking linearly. It, it's interesting um, to see how this business is going to evolve at this point because there are a lot of folks that give a shit well supposedly give a shit
1: mm-hmm. so
0: we'll see supposedly supposedly i mean it, they give a shit when they're posing on the inst- on instagram
1: i think it's a lot of that for sure
0: yeah yeah it'd be fascinating i mean for those of you listening because there's a lot of youngins that are listening <laughs> to the show fucking learn from this yeah. like treat people the way you want to be treated, and I. It sounds like such a stupid thing to have to say to people. Yeah. But look in your wake. And I've said this on the show multiple times. I've had, coming up in my career, I've I've had, as a younger director, diva moments that destroyed my sets. And I learned so much from fucking flipping out and throwing chairs and being a fucking asshole. And I've done that before. Yeah. And I get it. When we're pushing and we're, <clears throat> the amount of time it takes us to get a green light, the amount of time it takes us to get an idea, the amount of time it takes any of these things, it seems like a fucking miracle. Mm-hmm. And this business, whether you're an actor or you're a director, is constantly telling you that you suck For constantly. Sure. For sure. And so you have to hype yourself up. You have to create this, this sense of support.
1: You do. Yeah.
0: You know? And then the trick is that you have to be confident yep. without being cocky. Yeah. Right. And then you also have to sell and be like i'm the fucking shit there's a reason why you guys are going to give me all this money to do this fucking thing but then you have to forget that yeah when you go and you hang out with your team
1: yeah it's true yeah
0: it's this weird balance
1: it is it's a really weird balance of like you know presentation and being an actual human (laughs) you said that very (laughs) elegantly
0: So yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I mean, it's been a reoccurring theme lately on the show because of everything that's been going on. But also, I firmly believe um, that shoots are supposed to be fun at a, at their core.
1: Yeah, at they their should. Core. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a lucky thing. Like if
1: it is. S- yeah. Someone fucking won the lottery,
0: and you get to be a part of that scenario. And hopefully, that lottery winner is a fucking cool person. Yeah. You know. And
1: yeah. Well, that's the thing. If they're not, it's like. <sighs> Okay, this is going to be a really long month. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and
0: it just still blows my mind because I've got a lot of friends that still pa. I I, like, and I hear stories about how people do things and how people say things, and Mm and I'm I'm be honest with you, any gender and any color, any range, there's something about this power dynamic that happens when you finally get into that position. Yeah, I think a lot of it is the bullshit. I think it's just the protective nature of this business where you're like trying to protect your bruised ego consistently.
1: Yeah. But it's also so important to be aware of that and break the cycle.
0: You're right. You're very right. You're very right. And break the cycle is not that difficult. It's, it's just, not, it's yeah. just let go of your ego. Yeah. And then just remember that you're incredibly fortunate Yeah. to convince a bunch of fucking strangers. Like, can you go out, into the street and convince a bunch of strangers to come in and clean your house
1: for free
0: for for, <laughs> for 12 hours for like a minimal rate right? like you right? just can't no i mean even for a good rate right now yeah. most of those people go fuck you i don't clean houses you yeah know? And so yeah. to get a group of fucking strangers to come in and, and i used clean houses as a metaphor here because a lot of what is needed for film is like that it's like Hey, will you come pull fucking muddy cable for me? Yeah. Will you come, like, unload trucks for me and set up chairs and pop up tents fucking Yeah,
1: and, like, I'll give you $10 and then complain about the job that you did.
0: Yeah. It's like, if you have folks (laughs) that say yes to that, you should feel fortunate.
1: For sure. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, that's my mindset. If someone goes, yeah, I'll do that. I go, thank fucking God you'll do
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But there's, like, this expectation, like... There's this false idea that if you're on the crew and you're doing those things, you're the lucky one. And it's like, come on. That's like, a
0: con job. That's like, that's like pyramids. It is. Bullshit. It totally is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's Ponzi. Yeah. It's, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, you're welcome. You're here. You yeah. You get to work for free. You're
2: welcome.
1: Yeah. You like know? I've had so many people in the industry, I've heard them say, well, they should be grateful they're here. And it's like, No we should be grateful that they're here because we wouldn't have a job without them either. Like,
0: yeah. Asshole. Do you want to go to target and return those 70 bags of fucking clothes? No, no. nobody
1: wants to do that. So
0: you should be like thanking that person and get them a bottle of whiskey to go do
1: that. Exactly. It's exactly. A shit job, exactly. Know? And that's the thing when, when I'm, you know, doing production coordinating or whatever, I'm like, all right, if you're going to do this stuff and I know what's outside of your line of work, grab yourself a coffee on me. Mm-hmm. Like here's five bucks. Like, here's 10 bucks, you know, like grab yourself lunch while you're out and make sure that you're like taking care of yourself Yeah, and then always thank them when they come back. Like, cause a little bit of gratitude goes a long way.
0: Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I would like to do on the show is that you're great to work with and I've seen how you do your stuff. And, um, I think it's about celebrating the people that are really great because there are a lot of shitheads in our business mm-hmm. that do really shitty things, but there's a lot of really fucking great people that For sure. are in this business and You've worked with, I'm sure you've worked with a few, right?
1: With good people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've worked with some really great people, but they're also the ones who I'm like, okay, I want to mirror that. Like, that's what I want to bring to set.
0: Yes. Yes, it's funny how that works. Yeah. When you see people, there have been multiple times. I mean, hell, if I go all the way back to the beginning of my career and my first, I don't know if I've ever mentioned him on the show, my first producer that I worked for, John Sutherland, used to do, Uh, corporate videos and he used to do videos for like harvey windows and all that kind of stuff and he brought me on this was like 99 2000 Mm -hmm. so he brought me on to as an assistant in his office to label vhs dailies
1: wow wow and so that's what i was doing (laughs) i was
0: like labeling vhs dailies (laughs) and tapes um and so he had me do that for like two or three days and then he realized that i had more skill from that and then Mm -hmm. he was like what else would you like to do and so he ended up bringing me up pretty fucking quickly, and I ended up working with the the DP. And then I, next thing you know, I'm lighting, and so yeah. I got into that game. But I watched how he treated everybody, and he was such a pleasure to work for. Yeah. Um, and I would show up, and he was—he's the guy that I think he was the guy that taught me uh, that one of the best skills that I had was loading a car. Yeah. And having the ability to take too many cases and puzzle those cases <laughs> Play Tetris. into the back of a vehicle. And that was in the beginning, that was the reason why I was fucking hired.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's a really important skill to have if you're working as like, like no lie. That's mm-hmm. such an important skill to have if you're working as PA. Like if you're somebody who just throws everything in the van, people are going to notice <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> but also like accountability, knowing where things are, mm-hmm. understanding stuff. So a lot of the, the younger folks that are asking about being PAs and stuff, It isn't, you don't need to know about cameras. You don't need to know about filmmaking. You don't even need to want to be a fucking filmmaker. Yeah. It's really just the attention to detail. It's understanding the stress level that most people have around you. Yeah. And trying to cut down that stress anxiety.
1: Yeah. And not letting it affect you and taking it personally. Like, yeah. That's so important. And then also like having an eagerness to learn. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break here. Hold on. And this would normally be where I would play some commercials, but it's Christmas time. Yeah. So I'm going to leave you with a cool track. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. You were just listening to, obviously, my favorite band of this year, but also last year, the amazing guys from Power Glove. Uh, If you haven't heard the episode I did with them, sort of a a retrospective on Power Glove, go back and listen to it. Um, And be sure to check out the tracks that we have up there. I think what's going to happen is once I cross 200... Um, the earlier episodes are going to be behind a paywall.
2: <gasps> That's right. I said a fucking paywall. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this
0: boy needs to make sure that income is coming in. Yeah. Um, so, uh, make sure you go back and listen to those episodes now. And if you have a friend that is like, you know, maybe I'll get to it soon. You'd be like, you better get to it quick motherfucker. <laughs> uh, cause well, the first episode will always be free. Um, but then I think once we sort of cross into the two hundreds territory, then I think the earlier episodes will be per pay, you know, cause why the fuck not? Right. I've been, I've been more than generous.
1: Yeah. You deserve it. <laughs> it's not, it's going
0: to the costs for the show. It's not even, it would be like fucking like chump change. Um, so, all right. I uh, wanted to talk about, uh, a bunch of stuff as far as, You guys are concerned. I want to thank everybody as always for following me on Instagram at Mike Petty or following the podcast on Instagram. That's in love with the process POD on Instagram. Uh, You guys have uh, contributed to the show, suggested guests for the show, which I have followed through on. I try to with everybody that sends a suggestion Um, and I'm now able to get bigger and better guests because more of you are fucking listening, which is nice. I've had uh, fucking, like, November was our best month in the history of this show, Um, which is really nice. And it's cool, because now I can write to publicists, and they go, how many people listen to the show? And they go, oh, okay, yeah, 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 we can put them on the show now, which is nice. That's awesome. Um, So thank you, everybody, for that. And I tried to give back. We did... We did our uh, director's tracksuit contest.
1: Amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You got to see my tracksuit in in real
1: life. Oh, I did. (laughs) Yeah. It was
2: awesome. Yeah,
0: was it awesome? (laughs)
2: It was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I was doing the shoot, uh, I uh, had to cross the street because we were shooting at this house. And we had to cross this busy street, and I had a couple of cases in my hands on a cross street, and traffic is just stopping. <laughs> oh my God. And dudes are just leaning out the window, going, dude, that track suit is ill. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what? and I'm not used to that kind of attention. And yeah. I am just like, thanks, man, get out of here.
2: <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> so uh, it ended up picking up, if you guys noticed, it, uh, I did a couple posts. I did uh, some advertisements for Black Magic wearing that and uh, everybody loved it and a lot of the directors listening to the show were asking where they can get their fucking track seats from i don't know if prano has bought her track seat yet um but uh we ran a contest i wanted to give track seats to you guys and girls out there and make sure that you felt like you had what you need you had the stuff you need to be a real director <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: that's, and that's a track that's seat. a track seat. <laughs>
0: So we did it. We ran this contest and two winners, super excited. Our two winners are Douglas Wicker. So very excited with Douglas's. uh, He sent two epic poses. um, And then Mulholland days. uh, She sent over her stuff. So two tracksuit winners out there. Congratulations. I am in communications with G style USA. Now the makers of those tracksuits, um, Their fucking stuff, is sold the fuck out. Wow. It's crazy. I went to their website this morning and I'm like, holy shit. Thanks to you. (laughs) (laughs) I would think that is hysterical if that's the case. (laughs) If that's the case, G-Style, then I want to design a tracksuit. Oh
1: my God, yeah.
0: We need to have a custom tracksuit. So if you're listening and you think that there should be an in-love-with-the-process tracksuit, then write to G-Style USA. Click on any of the links. They're on Instagram and say, we want Mike to to des- to design a tracksuit, um, and maybe they'll let you do it. Well, let me do it. Jesus fucking Christ, Michael! <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, C- big congrats to the winners. Big congrats to everybody that uh, contributed. I'm sorry that you didn't win, but you can yeah, uh, you can't even buy one now because they're fucking mostly sold out. So you're a loss. Yeah. Next time I do a contest, make sure you jump on it quicker. Do it. Um, okay. So the other thing for Christmas (laughs) that I was going to do for you guys, I did a post on Instagram, uh, that's, uh, here's the deal. Many people are consistently writing me questions, long winded questions on how they should run their careers and do stuff. And I try, I pretend to be a busy man. Like if you look (laughs) at my Instagram account, I pretend to be very busy (laughs) And so I don't have time to respond, and I hate sending anything longer than three words because my thumbs and my hands hurt using (laughs) my phone. Um, So I figured I would address some questions here on the air, and Christine, if you want to jump in on any of these, we can. For sure. Uh, All right, let's start here. Let's go through. Uh, Let me pick a question that is a good starter here. Uh, Stand by. Okay, here we go. Uh, Here's a question from one of our, our contest winners. Douglas sent this. Do you think it's better to turn out quality work or be someone that people like to work with?
1: Ooh, both.
0: Yeah, that's a weird question to me.
1: I don't think it's either or.
0: Why can't it be both?
1: Yeah. I think it has to be both.
0: At that point, you have to judge what it is that you... You have to assess what it is that you think quality work is.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think above all, it's always important to be the kind of person people want to work with. Um, and maybe if you're putting out quality work, then you can get away with not being the person people want to work with.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There are many directors that do that where actors will work with them, even though they fucking scream at them because they know that they're going to win an award. It's true. Um, look, dude, the fact that you're asking me that question means that, uh, I really think that you need to examine your definition of quality of work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me give you what I think quality of work is. I think that at the end of the day, my films look as good as they do because the people that work on them really care. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I can get them to care is to make sure that they're involved and make sure that they're contributing and make sure that their voices are heard. And when I first started this stuff, I don't know, maybe I'm assuming too much from you, but I'm just reading. This is what happens on the internet. I'm just reading your shit. And I'm assuming things. Um, but I assume that you might be a bit of a dictator. You might be someone that wants to, has a vision and came up with this idea and wants to enforce this vision. I get it. I was that way when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but there is something so wonderful about casting your crew.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And finding the people that have the skills to surprise you.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: You know? Yeah. And then you're building great work together. Yeah. And then the difference from the work, and I've talked about this with storyboarding, where you sit down and you're sitting at your fucking desk and you're in your space and you're not out in the world and you're drawing these sketches. The difference between that sketch and how that shot finally comes out is my favorite aspect of it because it it flourishes so much and it blo- it blooms and it grows because of all these folks that are contributing yeah and making it really great and so for me quality work the set life is a big part of it for me and the creative life is a big part of it for me
1: yeah totally
0: do you feel the same
1: way i do yeah and i mean as a director you know one of my favorite quotes is a leader is powerful to the degree they empower others oh there you go and so when you're working with your crew like hear them listen to what they're saying if it doesn't apply fine but what i would do whenever somebody gave me an idea that initially my ego was like no that's changing the whole film is i wouldn't say anything Mm -hmm. and i'd go and i'd spend a little bit of time thinking about it and then i'd ask myself, is this better serving the story? Is this better serving the audience than what I originally had? And if the answer was yes, then I mean like, you know, like, instead of acting impulsively and initially potentially pushing that away, you have this new idea that is going to make your film so much better. So listen to your crew.
0: And respect the fact that a lot of your crew, especially if you've been doing this a little bit longer, a lot of your crew really looks up to you. A lot of your crew is there because they admire your work potentially. So true. And so sometimes people are gonna give you feedback and stuff because they feel like they need to be heard. They feel like they need to have a voice for something. Yeah. And you have to sort of sift through that stuff, but that's sort of a quiet understanding. If you understand, and I don't mean be egotistical and be like, I'm the shit, you're here because I'm the fucking shit. Yeah. But also just understand when you're dealing with younger folks that are working for you, that they're just excited. And sometimes they feel Mm -hmm. like they need to be heard. And if you're a good teacher, and if you're a good mentor, you can go through the process of explaining to them like your ideas aren't bad ideas. Yeah. And if if it if they're coming from an honest place, like don't worry about impressing me. Like, give me an honest idea, an honest feedback, and yeah. then what you're doing is you're finding you're mining from other people's life experiences to make your story. Interesting.
1: It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. You feel that way? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, like, here's the thing. When you have people working on your set, like, they're not there to do a bad job. They're there because they want to do a good job.
0: Yes, it's very true. That is very true. All right, I was just chuckling here because uh, in my post I said, uh, ask me questions about filmmaking or cooking, if you want to ask that, because I do a lot of cooking. Oh, yeah. And this asshole says, have you ever cooked have you ever cooked actual film? You fucking <laughs> Oh my sure. God. Is yours tasty or bitter? My film <laughs> is always overcooked. Any advice? <laughs> I would say uh, if your film is overcooked, then uh, leave the edit room sooner. True. <laughs> uh, Very true. That?
1: That's a good response.
0: Turned it, turn it back on you. <laughs> um, all right, here's another question. How do you find concept artists for character creation and makeup artists who can create special effects makeup? I have a short script with a creature I want to produce next year. Um, let me ask, let me say my thing and then I'll ask you. Mm-hmm. So, if you're someone that isn't in the business, let's say that you're someone that doesn't have uh, a lot of shorts behind you, you don't have a lot of examples of your work behind you, it's tougher to convince uh, larger folks to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so, If you don't have that history, then what you wanna try to do is, uh, what I would do is go follow any of the makeup school uh, Instagram accounts or go follow any students that do this sort of thing and find somebody that's willing to give you their time. Yeah, Cause that's essentially what you're doing. You're convincing them for that. And so you can't really be that picky at that point. And what I'm usually looking for is passion more than experience.
1: Yeah. Totally, you know, Yeah. but if
0: you're someone that has, uh, a couple of shorts under your belt, if you're someone that does that, the power of the internet is huge. And the power of Instagram is huge. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, um, creature designers, they're just looking for great projects. They're always looking because everybody's always unemployed and you're always going to be unemployed.
1: True. True.
0: And so start earlier. Like I always say Gina and I talk about this all the time. I do work now that Mm -hmm. won't pay off for five months.
1: For sure, yeah. You know? 100%.
0: And so if you uh, like uh, specific creature folks, write to them. Send them your shorts. Send them your stuff. But don't, what I, I don't want to give you guys too much because I don't want you guys, you know, abusing this. But what I generally do when I start conversations with folks is I I talk about their work. Mm Mm-hmm. People generally will respond if you're talking about their work. Yeah, and you have to be honest about it. Like, don't be that asshole that's like, "I love your shit, but you've never seen anything they fucking."
1: Yeah, do. yeah.
0: You know, hold on.
1: Old for plain. That's great. <laughs> I
0: don't know. That's a.
1: That sounds really low.
0: And that's a hell. Of, that's a big boy. Um. So if you write to these folks and you have to. Uh, get them interested and excited and a lot of that comes from your passion a lot of that comes from your work um that's an easy way to do it too i think use the internet to your advantage but then at the same token make stuff curate your accounts um in such a way that represents the work that you want to create yeah you know so that these people when you start talking to them like Oh, I went to their account and they want to do this horror movie thing and they just have pictures of, you know, fucking puppy dogs. And yeah, sh- selfies.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Selfies. <laughs> selfies.
0: Yeah, what do you think? Is that, is that good?
1: I think that covers it for the most part, yeah.
0: All right, all right. Let's see what else we got. Is that good? Tell me I'm good. You're great. Uh, let's see. Oh, God. Which would be the best camera for under a certain amount of money? I'm not going to tell you that shit.
1: Yeah, that's something you gotta research on your own. There's plenty of people
0: that can tell you what to buy. This show's not about
1: that, guys. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay. Here's another question: Uh, Do filmmaking and cooking have similarities? What might they be? Well, obviously, you haven't listened to many episodes of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you like
1: to cook? Um, I do, but I'm not great at it. What do you mean you're not great at it? Like, I don't feel like I've cooked for long enough to actually like know how to properly cook things. What the fuck?
0: What do you make that? What do you make that you like?
1: Pasta. Okay, I love pasta. Okay, so I've like perfected. The, I went through this thing during COVID where I was like, I have nothing to do. I'm gonna learn how to cook, uh-huh. and so I just started making stuff. And some of it came out great. Like I made like homemade gnocchi and.
0: Yeah. Stuff like that. Oh yeah.
1: It's fantastic. Well that
0: that's that's a very specific hard yeah. thing to make.
1: Yeah. Or like French onion soup. Oh like, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. But like I haven't done it in a while and I feel like if you don't use it, you lose it.
0: Not really. It's kind of like riding a bike. You
1: still know. You it. hop right back on you the spices. Do. Yeah. You <laughs> do. I mean, it's like
0: I all right. To answer your question, the similarities are huge. Yeah. I think that uh, if you're going to cook for people. And by people, I mean your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your friends or your roommates or your mom. And thank her for letting you live in the basement for as long as you have. True. Um, the, what you're doing is you're trying to convey to them an experience that you had previously.
1: Yeah. It's like a nostalgic thing. Right? Yeah.
0: Which, as a director, I find myself doing all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you? Yeah, totally. So, like, you experience an emotion. And so then what you try to do is learn as many tricks within that specific uh, genre, not even genre, but in that medium yep. that you can. So maybe it's learning about what it means to do a stretch pull, or maybe it's learning about what it means to put uh, specific music under this reaction or yeah. how long I let it do it. So you, you're you building uh, what stimulates a similar emotional response to what happened to you. Yeah, what you're doing.
1: that's so true.
0: Same thing with food yeah and so with food you're trying to tell a story with spicy with sweet with savory yeah with texture with smell with the environment that you're cooking in with how you serve it what music you're playing when you serve this sort of thing yeah um all that stuff is a lot of fun and it's uh what i do while i'm waiting to direct and uh i am so happy that it exists because at that point i'm doing it Two or three times, four times a week, sometimes. Yeah, and I feel like I'm making stuff, and I just did. I'm going to be doing it for Christmas, but I just did Thanksgiving dinner, which I ran like a fucking production.
1: Oh my god, yeah,
0: yeah, and it was it came out good, good, good. Yeah, it came out so fucking good. Um, so yeah, man, there's huge similarities between the two, and I think what they what cooking has done for me as a director is that I. I'm so hyper-focused when I'm cooking on how people uh, are feeling.
1: Like the experience of it. Exactly. Yeah. And whether
0: or not they're happy, whether or not they're doing it, you're paying attention to their face when they take that bite.
1: Do you like it? But do you like it? Yeah. (laughs) But do you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Don't lie to me. Um, But there's, there's, there's a lot of that. And so what that does is that rolls into how I, you know, handle the crew and how I process the crew. Yeah. Um, I think I've talked about it on the show, but I years ago I did a shoot um for Dale Strong the knife company. And uh I booked I might have told the story but I'll tell you again. I booked um a crew and a studio on a Sunday and uh was like okay, ready to rock. And as the day approached, Gina was like, "You know, it's fucking Super Bowl and you booked everybody on Super
2: Bowl."
0: Oh. And I was like, "What?" And she's like, yeah. And so I needed to get it done. And so I called up the team and the crew and I said, okay, here's the deal. You guys all show up to the studio at six in the morning mm-hmm. and we will go until two hours before the Super Bowl.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So let's go hard until we get to that point. In the meantime, I will bring in my buddy from New York who will work the smokers. So we'll bring in the smokers. And we'll smoke ribs. We'll smoke wings. I will transform the studio. Those two hours between then and the Super Bowl, we would transform the studio into a projected Super Bowl party. Wow! And we'll then do a Super Bowl party That's after awesome. we do the shoot. And I wouldn't have thought that way because I knew how much joy and pleasure smoking barbecue brings people. And we put the smoker right outside, so like everybody has to walk by it. Yeah. And so all day you're smelling it. You're it's smelling like tailgating party. Hell yeah, man! And so that experience became a fucking blast, and I, awesome. I'm speaking for the crew, and they've all told me this that they had such a wonderful time on that shoot. And I wouldn't have thought that way if I hadn't done a lot of barbecues on my own. Yeah, and, and I spent that time. Yeah. And so as a director, I was able to go. I know how to keep these guys happy. Yeah. And it's you know as a director, you're manipulating no matter what, but it's it's for good.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Food makes people happy. Fuck yeah. Food is so important when you're working.
0: When you show up to a goddamn movie and they hand you a fucking pizza, unless it's like some quality shit. Dude,
1: and it's like your own personal pizza that's like a nice quality pizza. Yeah. yeah. Or but, like a burrito. Uh, like, oh, come on, I've yeah. already had eight burritos this week. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I Years ago, I did a, a a movie shoot where the director was just so proud. He goes, I got us barbecue. And I go,
2: oh, cool. Yeah.
0: And I was like, fuck yeah. And he got barbecue from a really great place. Day two, I got us barbecue.
2: Day oh three,
1: no! Got
0: us barbecue. Day four, got us barbecue.
1: No, you are going to mix it up. I'm like,
0: you've never cooked for people.
1: <laughs> never, never, no. <laughs> yeah,
0: you've never, you've never cooked for people. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's see. Let's continue here. We'll do a few more of these. Yeah, we're in good shape. Um, okay, I'm gonna read this right through. A student who wants to write and direct, uh, where should their head be at? What should they be focused on? A lot of production experience, uh, but recently I have been focusing on story and structure, but now I don't know what to do with it. Uh, what should the end goal be, and what should I be focused on in school to get closer to that? Hmm. Um, a student who wants to write and direct. Okay, well... First, I'm going to say something that you're probably not going to want to hear, Yeah. which is you're very young. I'm assuming if you're a student and you're writing to me, you're very young and you have a lot of time ahead of you.
1: Yeah, a lot of experiences to have too.
0: Yep. And so um, what I didn't want to hear uh, when I was 21, 22, was that you need to live life experiences in order to tell stories about said life experiences. Yeah. And so instead of taking that as um, an insult, take that as a relief. Right. Because then you can spend that time mm-hmm. learning the techniques and learning the craft and learning the trade. Yeah. And you don't have to put that much stress on you. Like uh, if you are 21, if you're, if you're under 30, mm-hmm. you have time to play. And in that period of time, you've heard me say it on the show. It's going to take eight years before anybody gives a fuck about you before anybody even looks at you. It's true. So if you spend that time working on your craft, going and working on other people's movies, uh, interacting with folks, learning about story structure, learning about uh, visual language, like processing all those things, but working on other people's stuff, going to sets, working for other people for free, starting to build that team of folks that are around you, you're going to need that. And then when you get into a position where you feel like you have some techniques that you want to practice and show the world that you're doing, make a short. Yep. Make a few shorts. Yeah. Do that. And then you're going to be flexing with your crew. You're going to learn how to direct folks. You're going to learn how to have people coming back for more.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, take your time to do all those things. And if you're in school, uh, you know my half and half on, on film schools. I feel like if you're coming from a town out in the middle of nowhere that has no film community and nothing, then I guess film schools are worth a few because now you're embedded with the film community, which is nice. Um, but assess what you're gonna get from that film school. Assess what the strong suits of that film school are. Is it a situation in which they're gonna give you access to actors? Then write stuff with actors and work yeah. with actors. Is it a situation where they're gonna give you access to gear? It better be some fucking amazing equipment because you can get gear anywhere at this point. You know, take the time, assess those things and just sigh relief in knowing that it's going to take you eight years before anybody knows anything about you. Mm -hmm. So just take that time and learn and practice and make things and work with people. Yeah. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree with all that. And then I would say like, Go out and find experiences. Like mm-hmm. put yourself in situations that you normally wouldn't be in so that you can expand the stories that you can tell. Um, and talk to other people about their stories, you know. Like when you go out and you're having conversations with people, don't just, you know, talk about yourself. Listen to their stories, <laughs> ask them questions, you know, like uh pride. Talk to old people like we were talking about earlier. Like, you know, older people have so many interesting stories that nobody knows about that they probably don't share anymore because they don't have anybody to share it with. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you were to like, you know, go out and find, go to a nursing home, ask if you can ask some questions to the people who live there, um, or something like that, just like find a project that you can do that's going to allow you to be a better storyteller. And if you haven't lived those experiences, talk to other people who have.
0: You know, I was just talking, my brain is so fucking uh, hazed, so I can't remember <laughs> who I was talking to about it, but I was just talking to someone and, and there's apparently A living museum somewhere. Wow. Where like, and I haven't done the research yet, but apparently there's a living museum somewhere where you can actually go in and sit down with someone behind glass or something with microphones and things. And you can ask them questions and they've done specific things like, hey, I'm a Holocaust survivor. Hey, I'm a firefighter. Hey, I'm this. And you can actually sit down and talk to them and find out.
1: That is so cool.
0: Isn't that fucking wild?
1: That's amazing. Yeah. I would love to experience that.
0: But... You can also experience that in real life. Like you, you can. You can yeah. you can go out and put your phone down. Yep. You know, and get off it, your phone. Get off your phone. If you're if if you're a legal drinking age and you go to the bar, go you have a grasp over alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> go sit down next to someone at a bar and have a conversation with them.
1: Honestly, if you find people at the bar who are regulars there, they have a story. Yeah. There's a reason they're a regular there. Yeah. And it's not just that they like to drink beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time it's not it's not that at all. Yeah. Um
0: but yeah, fuck yeah, man. It's one of my favorite things to do. Oh, of course. I took my finger off my phone and then I lost my spot. Hold on. <laughs> um all right, let's see. Let's get a couple more questions. How are you doing? You're okay?
1: Oh, I'm great. Yeah.
0: Perfect. All right, stand by as I There's nothing worse than being with somebody in the same room that's on their phone, but you guys have to listen to me being on my phone. <laughs> uh but I'm doing this for you. Uh let's see here. Stand by, stand by, stand by. Okay, here we go. What are some strategies for funding a micro-budget film? Hmm. So, How did you, you financed your short, right?
1: So I ended up winning a grant um, through the Shawnee Shea Memorial Foundation, Inc. Oh, nice. So they gave me $1,000 toward it. And uh, I think our overall budget ended up being, after post and everything, $3,000 nice um yeah so i mean we used a lot of what we had mm-hmm. what we didn't have we asked people for mm-hmm. um we hired people who had some knowledge of certain things like some of our crew our, our sound guy wasn't necessarily a sound guy but he was willing to do sound that day um you know like jay's not a gaffer but he did all of the lighting that day mm-hmm. kate's obviously not a cinematographer she's an amazing director and did all the cinematography. So it was like, everybody kind of put on hats that they weren't used to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we really, I mean, we scrapped for everything that we had and for production design and stuff and wardrobe and stuff, we bought things and we returned them. Smart. Really but <laughs> No, but I mean, look, I'll
0: say that we've, I've done that on a bunch of different things.
1: You have to, you yeah. have to be smart about the money that you're spending. Yeah. Um, because here's the thing. If you make a micro budget short, it doesn't end there. Like your festivals are going to cost money if you go the festival route and it is expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say if you're looking for funding, like save up as much money as you can, even if you have like an extra 50 bucks, that 50 bucks can go a long way. Yeah. And make sure you're making a budget prior to buying everything and that you're buying everything for the price. That's, you know, going to be the lowest for you, but also, the most decent quality.
0: That's a good point because I've never talked about that on the show. Definitely make a budget, and there's a bunch of different budgeting software that exists out there that you can get your hands on. Yeah. Put together a budget and follow that budget, and try to bring yourself in under budget over budget. But if you're if you have those numbers down on page before you start buying things, before you start renting things, yeah, then you're focused, and yeah. you have a very specific focus on how to bring that in. I think in general. Uh, what are some strategies for funding a micro budget film? Um, <clears throat> I assume, Jerry Har, as you're listening, you're like, well, can that, can you guys go further into it? Yeah, okay, I will. Uh, it depends. I haven't had to raise funds in the, uh, a little while, but I did it back in the kick. I think Kickstarter is still kicking.
1: Yeah, Kickstarter still kicking. You have Indiegogo. Yeah. See it in Spark?
0: Yeah. So I did a Kickstarter and I've been, I have to probably do an episode uh, on how we did. Uh, we've done f- quite a few successful Kickstarter campaigns. Um, it's an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at the end of the day, uh, with any sort of fundraising apps that you do, you're reliant upon your your group. Yeah, you always are. Like don't assume that you're gonna get on Kickstarter in that you're going to have, your film is going to draw in all these fucking strangers that are going to be like shoveling $20 a pop at you. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. What happens is Kickstarter is just a really fancy way uh, and and uh, organized way of getting money out of the people that you know. Yeah. And so the move really is assessing uh, your... A social media audience it's assessing uh your personal community of folks um and finding a way to inspire them all and yeah. make sure that they understand what your passion is make sure they understand how important and passionate this piece is for you yeah and this is pre-homework this is before you start a kickstarter kickstarter campaign so if you're mulling around on an idea and it's like well maybe this year or the next six months I'll do a project. You should start your campaign now. Yeah. Where you're posting about how excited you are. You're posting about, you know, know, hashtag best life bullshit on like what it is that you're doing. And then um, really get people excited about it. Start talking passionately about your story. Start talking to the folks that you know about this story Mm -hmm. and how you can't breathe without doing this thing. Yeah. And then you can start to put together a Kickstarter campaign. I did one for 12KM, which uh, being a comic book nerd, I went through the process of approaching different artists and comic book artists because I had the work to get them interested. And so I had folks creating prints and all sorts of different things that I can offer up as uh, rewards for this sort of thing. Um, And I learned a lot about Kickstarter. I learned that you have to do a plan for the thing in it. And you have to know that when you first... Uh, release your Kickstarter campaign, you're going to get whatever flood of people interested. Yeah. And those folks are going to come at you because of your prior work. It's true. And they're going to go, okay, this this is it, boom, boom, boom. And they're going to hit you with $20, $30, whatever the fuck it is that, that you do. Mm-hmm. Offer up stuff that's interesting for people. Yep. Most people don't want a DVD anymore. Most people don't want to pay to see a movie anymore. Yep. That isn't what it is. At the end of the day, you have to be giving them access they have to get access and they have to feel like they're part of this. That's yeah. why they're doing it. So maybe you're giving away stuff like um, you're going to be part of the premiere party or you're going to be part of a special group. This is what I did. I did a directors in a circle rewards thing where they I had them work for me. Mm-hmm. So they were part of my initial screeners. So I'd send out early cuts of the edit and go, what do you think? What do you think? And I'd put them in categories. That's smart. They paid good money for that. The people that did that do that. So you got to be smart about a Kickstarter campaign. I, I, if you guys want, write to me and let me know if you want me to do a whole episode on it. It's a lot of fucking work. So if you guys <laughs> want me to do it, if more than two people want me to do it, then I will. Um, but uh, Kickstarter does help. Um th- it just comes down to whether or not you have you have prior work, and it sounds like if you're asking me this question, this may be a first time feature. And the reality of it is, is that you're going to be relying heavily on the people around you that you know mm-hmm. um, to give you funds for this sort of thing. And uh, doing a Kickstarter or an IndieGoGo, I th- I think IndieGoGo you you keep the money no matter what. But if it's a Kickstarter, you have to get to a certain point, or they or you have to give it back.
1: Yeah. Uh, A couple of them, it's like you have to wait until, like there's a certain percentage, I think it's 80%, where you get the green light. Yeah. And then you can keep that money. Yeah. Which I like more. I do too.
0: Because then it just shows that there's enough interest and Mm -hmm. it rises all that. Like I like that more. Because then if you don't reach your goal, then what are you going to do with that fucking money?
1: Yeah, that's a little weird.
0: Yeah, it's very weird. So. Yeah. Uh, If Kickstarter still exists, definitely do that. Um, But there are a bunch of little pitfalls and stuff. in Let me know if you want me to do a Kickstarter episode. I don't want to get too deep into our Christmas episode with (laughs) Kickstarter bullshit. Um, But if I was going to do that, that's what I would do if I was trying to raise funds. Um, There are other ways to do it. Uh, I've been able to work with sponsors to have sponsors pay for stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got to be clever about this. And we are in a world of influencers. So if you are an influencer, then you can get people to help finance specific things that way totally um puget systems uh helps finance my who's there short and i love them for it those guys are the shit yeah um all right uh let me tackle a couple more quick questions here where do you get free use music for projects um Mm. why (laughs) you there are royalty free sites out there yeah um stick around into the new year and this isn't intentional but this just works i am now uh working with jambox jambox jambox.io they are a um i don't want to say it's a royalty free site but you can go and you can buy music from these guys and it's subscription based and their music selections are awesome cool really awesome like as a filmmaker i'm telling you this they're, they're really great just because most of the time when you go to those websites it sucks it always feels like yeah you're sifting
1: like, through so much stuff
0: yeah and it's like that musician's like beast yet where he's mm. like this isn't the stuff i really give a fuck about for can sure. i make a couple bucks off of it uh this company jambox really does a good job with it we're actually uh, mining their site right now for this project that gina and i are doing so cool um if you're looking for inexpensive ways to use music, a lot of these websites now will like, I know Jambox has like a subscription and if you're just doing it for personal projects and for web use, then that monthly subscription fee covers anything that you get off of that website, which is it's cheap. Don't quote me on the price, but it's under 20 bucks. And that's fucking worth its weight in gold, especially if you're banging out like web series, if you're banging out stuff, Totally. Um definitely stick around into the new year as we start talking about jambox, and you guys will know what I'm talking about. Um, but dude, you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you really do. Um, and it depends on what you're doing. Like I've worked really, I've worked with a lot of really great musicians that have come on board and that have done really great work for me for a very low price um just because i genuinely couldn't afford to pay them anything and it suited them yeah like there's a reason for them to do it like hey i want to get into composing Mm
1: -hmm. and i need to
0: have a real and this makes sense for me so maybe you should follow some folks that do the music that you like and see if you can find some students or someone that wants to do that sort of thing yeah by no means am i saying take advantage of anybody and not pay them yeah you know yeah so yeah anyway Uh, Let's let's, get to this. We'll wrap this up. Let's see. What else do we got here? What? Okay. Here's another question about music. Uh, What kind of qualities do you directors, producers look for when hiring a composer?
1: Ooh. Um, Somebody who can take direction well and can bring something to the project that maybe I wasn't aware of or, you know, I mean, composing for me is such a separate world. I always do music last, which is, I know, kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, but for me, it's just not the way that I get into the story. And so having a composer who really understands um, the work that I do and can come in and be like, oh, OK, I can match this with something I think you'll like. I think working with composers who know you and know your work and are interested in you know taking your work to the next level.
0: Is there a reason why you don't think about music?
1: apparently I just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Put you on the spot. I, I, I like, was like, well, just <laughs> twisted right back well, I don't know. It's not something that I ever use to like, I, I use music sometimes to get into a headspace, but for me, it's more so like, <laughs> have you ever like, there was an episode of, oh man, I can't remember the name of the show. It's like a Stephen King show. Mm-hmm. Castle Rock. I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's an Alzheimer's episode. I've never seen it. It's so interesting. um just a specific episode, the way that they like portray Alzheimer's, where it's like she's she goes through portals and ends up in different places and like lives in her head there. Oh wow. So Alzheimer's runs in my family. Mm-hmm. My grandmother had Alzheimer's. Um, but sometimes I feel that way where I'll almost like disappear from the earth and I don't realize I'm a person anymore and I'm transported into a completely different world where I'm like, I <laughs> Probably have some sort of. <laughs> I'm saying this out loud, and I'm like, wait, "No, no, this is good. It's good. Like, it's good. This is good." This is good. <laughs> but I'm transported to a world, and like I live in that world, and so when I'm writing, that's what happens to me. Like, that's cool. I don't even know that I'm at the computer anymore. Like, I'm so far into this world that I get tunnel hearing. I get tunnel vision. I can't see anything. I can't hear anything other than what's in that world. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, like. For me, music isn't part of that world.
0: Fascinating. Okay. And
1: so it's just not something that elevates that story in my head because it's just outside of the realm of where I am. Fucking
0: weird. That's awesome. It's so weird. Yeah. It's, uh, but that's like, talk about hyper-focused.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I'm, yeah. Like I have ADHD. So when I get hyper-focused, it's like I disappear. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, there's nothing here.
0: Yeah, I mean, we crave that. Like, yeah, I crave to get into that. Like, it takes so much to get into that fucking zone, and then you're in that zone, and
2: then yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's fascinating. I get that. Um, well, that makes sense. I I think that over time, I've just learned, especially doing horror. Yeah, I've just learned that like sound and music is like sixty percent, mm-hmm. if not more, of what it is, and I think that. Uh, I hate doing temp music. I hate that stuff. I like to try to work with people that are giving me music um, while I'm sketching while yeah. I'm on set because it starts to change the pacing.
1: It does it totally does.
0: And so like I, there's a there's a strong power to it I think that's why I asked because it's like I think that there's a interesting dynamic between music and and acting and music and editing. Um, and uh, I find it powerful to be working with it.
1: Yeah. No, I definitely get that. I think for comedy, for me, like when I'm doing the comedy aspects of it, it's something that I can add in layers uh, later as an additional layer. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, that will amplify the joke that I've already created in my head. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's so weird. Like it's something that I've questioned about myself a lot and it's just not. It's fine. Yeah.
0: There's it's nothing, there's no right or wrong way to do it. For sure.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's just, just one of those things where I'm like, oh my God, is there something wrong with me?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the one thing that we all have in common as right? creators, right? <laughs> right. At every point of the day, what is wrong with me? Yeah. How come, how come this person doesn't do this the same way I do?
1: Yeah. I think I've learned to accept that there isn't a formula, no a way. specific formula, you no know? Way. Like, you have to create your own. Yeah. And nope. you're like a mad scientist, like pulling your hair out. Like what is it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And then next thing you know, you're known for something that you didn't even know. I know people are like, you know, praising you for your mistakes and you're just like, that's what you fucking know me for
1: every time. Yeah. Every or your weirdness every time. And it's yeah. like, Oh, okay. Oh, cool. I guess that's cool.
0: I guess that was cool. I was trying to be David Fincher over here and you guys are doing <laughs> this. All right. That's cool. Uh, let's see. We'll tackle a couple more you doing okay on time?
1: Oh, I'm great. Okay,
0: great. Um, Okay, here's an interesting one. I know there are many production companies out there with a roster of directors on their team for different types of projects, such as commercials slash music videos. How do you get discovered slash placed on that roster? I'm not sure if you've had a similar path. Um, Yeah. So yes, I have been repped. Uh, by production companies i have been placed on the quote unquote roster <laughs> at a production company um, these days it's different mm-hmm. i think that rosters no one wants to officially sign you it's not like you show up to a place and they go here's a contract and we'd like to be the ones that represent you they just yeah. go hey can we put you on our website and can we pitch you as a director for our stuff and if we get the job then you'll you know you'll pay us you know a certain amount or we'll produce the thing and we'll pay you as a director to do this thing yeah um here's the truth here's some here's some hard fucking truth (laughs) santa's here with some coal um (laughs) the truth of the matter is that people are only gonna production companies were only going to put you on their roster and they're only going to put you out there if they know that they can make money off of
1: you it's true
0: and so, you're you'll see as social issues come up, as like different uh, trends come up, you'll see production companies clean off their roster mm-hmm. and replace their roster with whatever's hot. Because a lot of these folks, if you're working in commercials and you're working in, in music videos, you're dealing most of the time with younger creatives, yeah, like very young creatives, creative directors, creative writers, musicians. Most of these folks are very young, and these ad agencies hire young folks for two reasons. And here's Cynical Mike coming out. two reasons. One, because they are always marketing towards a younger audience. Mm-hmm. And so they feel like the voices of that audience are important um, for, you know, connecting with them. Two, younger people are less expensive.
1: It's true.
0: And so you're dealing with these young folks. So what that happens is, is that if a creative team uh, has a new idea, they pitched a company on some bullshit, like, hey, we're going to have unicorns exploding to sell your fucking energy drink. What a a fucking revolutionary idea. So then what they do is they reach out to the production companies that they have relationships with. Mm -hmm. And those production companies have specific rosters. And they'll come out and say, hey, guess what? What we're looking for is a, you know a pink teddy bear director, because they're doing great on fucking Instagram right now and Twitter's blowing up about pink teddy 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 bears. So who do you have on your fucking roster? And if that production company is ahead of their game, they're already talking to a lot of pink teddy bear directors out there that they haven't officially put on their roster yet. And most of these poor pink teddy bear fucking directors out there are hungry Mm -hmm. and aren't represented. And so these production companies are like, well, why don't we try it out with you? Yeah, and so then they kind of bring in. You usually get paid fucking like half of what you deserve yeah. to do this thing, and because you don't have prior experience, quote unquote. That's me doing my quotes. <laughs> then you end up uh, being put in for a bid, and most of the time, don't expect to get signed by a production company that goes. Hey Christine, we think you're amazing, so we're gonna push you really hard for everything we do. What'll happen is is they'll go. We saw your movie about the plants that want to kill you. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. <laughs> we do a lot of stuff for like Home Depot <laughs> that have like plant shit. Yeah, and they're like, wouldn't it be funny? You know, and they're always looking for some new comedy shit, right? Yeah. So then they put you in there, and you go, all right, you know, I can use the money. That'll be a fun gig. Cool, you guys like me? And they go, yeah, we want to put you on our roster and you're special, you're a special fucking person oh for us. Oh my
1: God, the special.
0: Then what happens is Home Depot shows up and they go, cool, uh, can we see some directors? They will send every and any fucking director that they possibly can to get that job. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that production company isn't doing it out of the kindness of their heart. It's mm-hmm. a business. Yeah. They want to make money on this shit. Yep. And so I guess the reason why I went off on this fucking, (laughs) this cynical fucking rant is because I want to convince you that it's not important to be repped. Yeah. It's not. What is important is to make work and to make your quality of work. And when you start to make honest work that speaks to somebody, chances are you'll get contacted at one point or another from a production company, or you can reach out to a production company at that point And say, hey, I'd like to do some commercials. Mm -hmm. This is what I talk to Gina about all the time. If you're going to do that, you need to not be in the mindset that is, all I need is a rep. Yeah. Because if I have a rep, it's going to change everything for me. Now I'm going to make money and now I'm going to do. It's bullshit. It is. It's absolute bullshit. So the way you need to process it if you're approaching these folks is, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's the best thing
1: you can do. It's the best thing.
0: And I'm going to put out, I'm going to send out a fucking line here. And if there's some interest in it and it works out, it's good to go. We've had offers. I've had offers to get signed by folks. And they're just like, we'd like to sign you. We want to do this thing. I go,
2: no. Yeah.
0: Like, here's what we'll do. Let's do a job together. Yeah. I'm not going to fucking sign with somebody who I haven't worked with before.
1: Right. That's smart business though. Like, and I feel like, you know, we live in an industry where there are a lot of creatives and maybe don't know the business side of it. And so they get excited about the opportunity without thinking about the longevity of it.
0: Yep. Yep. Because these people, what happens is, is that they produce the gig. Mm -hmm. And here's another, as we go deeper in this, here's another fun thing. Oftentimes, uh, creative agencies know That the treatments that they go out to market for, they don't have enough money for. Mm -hmm. They know it. Right. They absolutely know it. And they also know how hungry the production companies, the directors, and everybody else is. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for the hungriest poor son of a bitch that's going to come in there and just say, yes, I can do it. Even though they don't have enough money for the resources they need or anything else. So then you go through the pitch process. And oftentimes what happens with production companies is they'll look at a bid as it comes in and they'll go, well... This job is a $45,000 job and they only have $13,000. So what they do is they go through the process of saying, all right, how do we pare this down?
3: Mm -hmm. How do
0: we bring this down? How do we pare this down? And then there's sort of like this polite exchange between them and the creative agency. And ultimately the creative agency goes, yeah, but we're not going to pare anything down. Yeah. And so then they go, okay. So then the production company will go to the director then and say to the director, like, well, what can you do with this? Yeah. How can you make this work? Yeah. And the director's desperate. And the director's like, fuck, this production company who I want to sign with is asking me to do this. Yeah. So now you're in that mindset of like, well, I can ask my mom to do all the craft services. I can do. Mm -hmm. And so then you're in that mode where you're trying to pull it all down and make it all down into this thing. And then it just goes back to the ad agency. Yep. And here's a dark little fucking secret that makes me boil is that I've talked to these people that work at ad agencies and they don't give a fuck. And I'm not saying that they're not great people. There's a lot of people that I've worked with at agencies that are awesome, but I've seen this across the board at the end of the day, they're nine to five, their salary. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. They just don't. So they don't care if you pull these things in, they don't care if your grandma decides that she's going to bake cookies for everybody on set. They think it's adorable, but they don't give a fuck.
1: Yeah, they're not going like to be like, oh my God, he went out of his way for this. They're going to be like, okay.
0: So remember all these things. I'm telling you all these things um, not to dissuade you from doing commercials, not to dissuade you from working with these folks. It's just to change your mindset when you ask me that question.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, think of it as a business.
0: It's a business. But also at the end of the day, is it what you want to do? Mm-hmm. Is making commercials your, your end goal? Yeah. If it is, then learn the business. Yeah. Understand that it's a young man and woman, young men and women's fucking game. Mm-hmm. So like if it's a long-term running thing that you think you're gonna do, you're not. Yeah. And most creatives, this is the other fascinating thing. Most creative directors that work in that industry are laid off when yeah. they hit a point where they become too expensive. Yeah. And these all these creative directors are looking at our jobs. Mm-hmm. as directors going, well, I make these decisions. I do all this stuff. I've had multiple creative directors go, I think I'm going to quit and be a director. And I go, great. <laughs> and they go, yeah, so I'm going to quit my gig and I'm going to become a director. It's, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. I go, dude, no, <laughs> 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 so these are the folks that you will be competing with and the sad truth of it is is that a lot of these creative directors that become directors have connections with the agencies, mm-hmm. so they're going to get the jobs yeah and they're going to come out of it and go i know how to write my boards design my boards and design my stuff because i was the person in that position yeah and so more often than not they're, they're going to get those fucking gigs yeah it's a highly competitive world it is That the ad agency stuff is so fucking competitive. And your best way in, in my opinion, is to create your own vibe, create your own style, create your own films, and have them come to you.
1: Yeah, and get everything in writing.
0: Yep. Because if they come to you, then you're running the show. Yeah. You're running the exchange. You're doing that stuff. That is the way to be. I still come back on that. Uh, Years ago, Rob Zombie directed a fucking cotton commercial. Like they went to him (laughs) to direct a a cotton commercial. So, and I've had folks uh, from ad agencies come to me. I had uh, a friend of mine, a really good dude, who is a creative uh, producer for an ad agency, approach me and go, hey, can you just do 12 cam for this other brand? And I went, yeah, fuck yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: I recently had a phone call with a big agency in New York. And they're like, are you thinking about doing more commercials this year? Uh, maybe we can work together. Maybe we can do that. And I go, I guess. Yeah. And they're like, well, what do you want to do? I go, if you guys are going to do some cooking stuff, maybe if there's some food stuff, if there's some shit where we get to travel, because I know you're not going to offer me a lot of fucking money. Let's yeah. just put it out there. Yeah. So like, if it's something that's fun and it's cool, write to me and I'll, I'll I'll pitch on it. Yeah. But save all your bullshit for the other fucking people. Yeah. And you really have to have that mindset. And remember, this is my last thing, is I rant. It's more important to do a handful of well-paid jobs per year, yeah, than it is to do every low-paying job per year.
1: It's so true, yeah. Know your worth, know your value, and if you're, you know, if you're asking the question about money, I would not suggest music videos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's very true. That's a very small community of. Uh, uh, very wealthy kids that their parents buy all their gear and their studio space for them that are able to direct uh, yeah. these things and they're hard to compete with they are. Um, okay I think I'm just making sure that I didn't miss anything else because I know you guys have sent me a lot of stuff and I'm ignoring some of the dumb questions guys Um, like what is your best fucking camera check out my black magic <laughs> reads uh, that's it okay so that that's it, man. That's a cool episode. Thank you for being here.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Was it good? Yeah, it was great. That's good. Do we yeah. talk
0: about everything that you want to talk about on the show? I think
1: so. Yeah. You look exhausted. <laughs> oh my god, It's <laughs> been such a long week. I've been prepared. I've got my next short film that I'm working on tomorrow and Sunday. Are you shooting tomorrow and Sunday? Well, I'm acting in it, but oh. it's for a really good friend of mine. Um, Charles oh, nice. Mesa. Yeah. And uh, this is our fifth or sixth project together. And uh, I had to learn a Russian accent for this one, so.
2: Mm.
0: (laughs) How do you go through the process of learning Russian accents? You just looking people up and trying to figure it out?
1: I mean, yeah, I'm not in a place to, like, you know, hire a dialect coach or anything like that. So the person that I'm acting opposite actually has a Russian accent. And so for the first, you know, we've had a bunch of rehearsals because that's how Charlie likes to work. And uh, for the first couple of them, I didn't do it with an accent. And I was just kind of like hearing his and then going home and doing research. Uh-huh. And then after like enough rehearsals, I was like, okay, I'm ready to introduce this. And hmm. I was like, Charlie, let me know if this works. Because if not, we'll scrap it. But I ended up working out. And so we shoot tomorrow and Sunday. I'm pretty uh-huh. excited about it.
0: <laughs> are you Are you nervous? Are you, do you still get nervous before you go and shoot?
1: Uh, no. There uh, you go. <laughs> dude, I've been in it so long that I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm here. I've put in all the work that I have. Like, I think a lot of the nerves used to come from, oh, my God, am I prepared enough? Have I done enough work? And now I'm like, no, I I put in the work. Like, I'm ready. I know everything I need to know about this project.
0: That is the best place in the world to be.
1: It is, yeah. And I'm somebody who I'll read the script 100 times just so that, like, when I do get on set, I'm like, all right. Like, I know where we're at. I know what we're doing.
0: That's the type of person I want to work with.
1: Well... I look forward to working together more in the future. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Christine. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for being in our space. I forgot to light our fire. I was going to light the fire oh, today. yeah.
1: Oh, well, I mean, the tree is really nice, though.
0: Uh, it's our little lopsided tree this year. Uh, well, thank you for being here. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed this episode. Um, uh, if you guys like that Q&A thing, we'll do, we'll do some more of those in the future. Uh, stand by as we hit the end of the year. I think I'll try to do maybe I'll do a special episode on New Year's Day um, and get ready for next year. I have been booking guests and recording episodes. I've got new sponsors. The show has become a thing and it's it's interesting because it may actually become my thing instead of doing commercials and stuff, which I
1: would love. That would be amazing.
0: Just to do the show and do movies. Um, so tell your friends to listen to the show, uh, and uh, let me know what you think of this episode, and send us suggestions for guests and all that kind of bullshit at Instagram at Mike Petchy or in love with the process pod. That's in love with the process pod. And if you've noticed recently, fuck you Instagram. If you've noticed recently, <laughs> for some reason I am in trouble on Instagram for the Instagram for my uh, podcast account. I can't post things. I can't add friends. I cannot add friends. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Really? Like. Yeah. I think it was because I followed a big group of people.
1: Oh, and they thought you were spam.
0: And they're just like, fuck off. And I'm like, guys, I'm not fucking spamming people.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't try to do anything for two weeks.
2: Goddamn.
1: Because if you do, they'll keep track of that and they'll keep elongating it. So for two weeks, like, uh, don't even open it.
2: All
0: right. So go to my uh, personal account at Mike Petchy for any new updates. <laughs> <routines. laughs> Uh all right guys. So that's it. That's the show. I think I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite odd Christmas tracks. Um and uh Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
1: Christine. Merry Christmas, mate.